please remain standing as we continue in worship. Marty is coming to read our scripture for us this morning, found on page 703 of your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along, or uh, there in your own Bibles as well, uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 30. Marty is here to read our scripture for us. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day, when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Oh God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we indeed might be people of life. Now God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're continuing our examination of the last seven days of the life of Jesus. For many of us, 
We don't spend a lot of time on these last seven days, though certainly we know what happened because we celebrate every Holy Week, but Holy Week is really not a time much for us to pause and to to think through things and to examine things closely. Instead, we are making a headway right to Easter Sunday morning, and we can hardly wait to get there. So over the last uh, few weeks, we have been looking. At, uh, uh, we've been looking at the last seven days of Jesus. We've we've already examined Palm Sunday, and uh, we'll be celebrating Palm Sunday here in a couple of weeks. And so we we've we've examined what went on that day, how Jesus came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, and and the and the meaning behind that. It was not. He didn't, he didn't do that randomly. No, he was very intentionally why he came riding in on a donkey. And he, had a, he, he really had a, a very specific uh, thing that he was saying about what kind of Messiah he was. And then we looked at, at how he uh, taught on Monday and Tuesday. And, and last week we saw how he uh, spent Wednesday, it was probably Wednesday, at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, how he had been... Uh, how he was anointed by Mary, and how um, well how how Judas Iscariot had then uh, chosen to betray Jesus, and how we too, how we too might count ourselves among those who also might betray Jesus. And so today we turn our attention to Thursday of that last week, seven days of Jesus' life. Uh, Thursday, he did some things different than he did the other days of the week. It appears as though on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, he came into Jerusalem every day and he taught at the temple, um, and, and meaning that he was staying uh, across the Kidron Valley, uh, just outside of Jerusalem, uh, and he was staying there on the Mount of Olives. Some believe that he stayed in Bethany on the backside of the Mount of Olives, uh, about two miles away from Jerusalem proper, or he may have, they may have, Jesus and his disciples simply may have been may have been staying possibly even in the garden of uh, in the garden of Gethsemane maybe at, at another friend's house in a in another another place there on the mount of olives but each day he was coming back into Jerusalem in order to teach at the temple and but then on Thursday uh, it, it it really takes a dramatic turn of what Jesus ha- did on Thursday we're not exactly sure what he did on Thursday morning we don't know uh, we, we guess that he probably stayed on the Mount of Olives or wherever he was. It may indeed have been that he stayed at Simon the leper's house that he had been at on, uh, on, on Wednesday. We're not exactly sure. But what we know is this. Jesus told his disciples to go into Jerusalem, meaning uh, when he said that, he was not in Jerusalem. So more than likely, he was on the Mount of Olives. He told his disciples to go into Jerusalem and to prepare, and to prepare the Passover festival, to prepare the, uh, the meal for the Passover festival. And then later that evening, he went and prayed in, he went and prayed in the garden. And so today, we are looking at, at that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples and then his prayer in the garden. And I, as I, as I mentioned earlier, um, I have been in church for so long that one of my early memories of food is the communion wafer and Wilch's grape juice. I just, I, I remember, I mean, that, that is a memory that is so ingrained in me. I have, I have celebrated communion 
thousands, literally thousands of times. I have celebrated communion in, in all different types of ways and all different, uh, in, in all different kinds of, uh, of places as well. But for many, much of the time, I'm, I mean, I know exactly I mean, what communion means for me, but, but for many of us, we don't really, we haven't studied much about what really went on during that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And so again, he told his disciples to go in, go into Jerusalem, and you will find a place and they will, and tell them that the, that, I mean, basically tell them that, that we're going to have uh, the Passover celebration in, in, in their house. And so that's, that's what they did. Now, now there are a number of different things about the Passover celebration. It was one of the most holy and sacred times in all of Judaism. For, for on Passover, they were retelling the great story of their faith, the great story of how they had once been slaves in Egypt. They had been enslaved in Egypt for, for 400 years, and God, with a mighty and outstretched arm and hand, he saved them. Literally, he saved them from slavery, and God freed them. You, you may have I mean, you may have seen the movie, the Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston. I can't read that story without thinking about Charlton Heston playing the, playing the part of Moses. It's one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. So you, you, may, you may remember the story, how the people were indeed enslaved, enslaved in, in Egypt and how God, through uh, some miraculous acts, in fact, there were ten plagues that he brought upon the Egyptian people thinking that, uh, and Moses and the people thought, okay, we know that the, the plagues were coming upon the Egyptians and maybe, just maybe, they might free us because of the mighty acts of God. And so they went through the first plague and the second plague and the third plague, all the way down through the ninth plague and the, and, and, and the Pharaoh still was not freeing the people. And so God came to Moses and said, go and, and warn the people and tell them that I am going to come and move among the countryside, and I will, I will kill the firstborn of every family. I will kill the, the firstborn male of every family, all the, all, the, all the sons and all of the firstborn lambs and all the firstborn uh, cattle and all the firstborn livestock and, and everything but... But because you are my chosen people, because I love you so much, I, I, this is what I want you to do. And God gave them very, very specific instructions of how they were to take a lamb that evening and slaughter that lamb, take the blood from that lamb and, and put the blood from the lamb on the doorpost over uh, coming into their homes and then there were, there were specific things that they were supposed to do that evening. They were supposed to take the meat from that lamb, and they were supposed to, to roast it. And they were, uh, there were a number of other things that they were supposed to do that evening. They were to make bread without leaven, without yeast, because they were not going to... God said, you're not going to have time to allow it to rise. Go ahead and bake it up just like that, for tomorrow you are going to be a freed people. And he said, I am going to come and move around the countryside, but I will pass over all of the homes that have the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And so that evening, God came and moved among the nation. And the firstborn of, of all the Egyptians, the firstborn sons and the firstborn 
male calves and the sheep and the, all the livestock, they all died. But, but those families that had the uh, blood of the lamb on their doorpost, God passed over those homes and, and, and those firstborn were saved in those homes. And so God told them that every year, every year you are to come together and have a, have a great festival and have a great feast remembering, remembering how I passed over your homes and how I, how I delivered you from slavery. And so every year, every year from that moment on, even to this very day, faithful Jews across the world will gather together in homes and they'll recount They'll recount and retell and remember how God had saved them. We get this idea because of many pieces of art, how that evening went. They were seated at a banquet table with a, with a seat of honor right there smack dab in the middle. They were, again, in a modern type of banquet, but that isn't the case at all. <laughs> That's not, how they, that's not how they would have been seated at a table. And so today, I want to I I take you through some of the, some of the details that we, that we may miss. I'm not sure you can see exactly what I have set up here, but here on our overhead screen, you can see this is called a triclinium. And that, this was the, the more formalized seating arrangement during that time. It was a, it was a Roman banquet setting. Now, certainly during common meals and ordinary meals, they, simply would have, they would have simply sat on the ground. But on a more formal banquet and a more formal dinner, which the Passover feast was, they would have been seated around a, a triclinium. And so as they, as they came into the, as they would, as they would come, into the, come into the room, they would all, they would remove their shoes. And they would, they would come and, uh, because you know what you would have been carrying on the bottom of your shoes walking around those streets. And they would have, they would have come into that room and, and they, they would have found their places around, around that triclinium, a, a, around that table. Now, the triclinium is, is, gets its name because it is a three-sided table. Now, you would think that the, the place of honor would be, I mean, because this is the place of honor at a at, a, at an ordinary table in today's time, the place of honor would have been right here. This would have been where the uh, where where the the person that was that was the most honored or the most or the or the highest leader would have been right here. But that, that's not how it was with the with the triclinium. The place of honor for a triclinium would have been right here, right in the middle between the person on the right and person on the left. And so as Jesus, as Jesus came in into that evening, he would, have, he would have taken his seat here. Now, again, whenever we eat, we, we eat sitting up. But, but in, first century, uh, in, in the first century, they would not have eaten standing up. And instead, instead they would have taken their place like this. Now, they, they, would have, uh, they were lounging as, as they were eating, resting on their left arm. And then they were able to, to eat with their, with their right hand. Now, here, there are a couple, couple of reasons that that is important. Because in the Gospel of John, John, by the way, John's Gospel uh, gives five chapters, five entire chapters to the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. 
five chapters. And so we get a number of other details that we don't find in the other gospel accounts. We have those in John's gospel. John's gospel tells us that as Jesus was reclining at the table, the beloved disciple, John himself, the beloved disciple knelt in or he he leaned into Jesus and put his head upon his chest. Now again, I mean, if we read it thinking that they are seated at the table, well, that's an odd posture for someone to lean in and, and, put, and put, your, put their head upon, upon someone else's chest. But if they are, but if they are uh, lounging, as it were, there was only one place that someone would have been able to, to lean into Jesus and put his head on Jesus' chest, and that would have been right to the very right of Jesus. You remember the time when James and John came to Jesus? I was actually their mother came to Jesus and said, when you come into your kingdom, would you put one of my sons to your right and the other to your left? Meaning the first and the second in command, the vice president and the chief of, and, and and the head of state at the right and the left. And so those at the right and immediately to the left, those were the two places that were the I mean, those, those, you, were, you, were, you were next to the master. And so Jesus, or excuse me, John would have been to the right. But as we read through, continue to read through the gospel of John, we find, even in today's passage, we find they ask then, so Jesus tells them, one of you is going to betray me tonight. And they go around the entire table and they begin to ask, is it, is it me, Lord? Is it me? Is it, is it me? And and, and, and one of the disciples asked, Lord, who is it? A kind of private conversation. And Jesus whispers to him, the one who dips his hand in the cup with me will betray me. There was only one way for that person to have been able to dip his hand in the cup with Jesus. And it would have been by sitting immediately to Jesus' left. You see, Jesus couldn't have dipped his hand in a cup with someone who was way over there or someone who was way over there. It would have had to be to have been the person that was immediately to his left. Judas Iscariot was seated at a place of honor at that Last Supper. Judas Iscariot was seated at a place of honor right beside our Lord. We call it Maundy Thursday. We call it Maundy Thursday. The reason, the way, the, the, where we get that word Maundy, it's not Monday Thursday, it's Maundy, M-A-U-N-D-Y Thursday. It comes from the Latin word mandatum, which means commandment. Because Jesus said, I have given you a new commandment. Love one another. The story tells us that after Jesus ate with his disciples, then he took, out, took off his outer garment and he wrapped that garment around his waist and he took a servant's bowl and he filled it with water. And he went around to each of the disciples and he knelt at their feet like a common, ordinary servant. He knelt at their feet and he began to 
to wash their feet. Now, you can only begin to imagine what would have been on their feet, <laughs> walking those dirty and dusty roads. Their sandals simply would have been a, a piece of leather on the very bottom, a very simple, very thin piece of leather with a couple of straps over the top. And so all of the, all of the dirt from the road and all, all of the, the droppings from all of the, all of the animals would have been on those roads. And so our Lord knelt at the feet of each one of his disciples and began to, to wash their feet. You can imagine how uncomfortable that was for them. Just as uncomfortable as it is for me to, to preach this morning in my bare feet. <laughs> it's not something that grown men do among the public, do we? I don't know that I've hardly ever shown my feet in public. It's just simply not what we do. It's uncomfortable for you to watch as well, I know. Think how much more uncomfortable it was for his disciples to have their feet washed by their rabbi, by their master. He finally came around to Peter and Peter said, oh no, Lord, you never, you, can, you cannot wash my feet. Well, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part of me. Jesus was telling him, if we cannot humble ourselves to be ministered to by Jesus, we have no part of him. If we can't see that we too need to be washed from the inside out, we can't have any part of him. After he washes their, his disciples' feet, he tells them, indeed, I have told you that you, are called, that you are to love one another. I have shown you what love is. Love is an action. Love is being humble and serving others. Love is washing the feet of others. Love is helping take care of the needs of others. And so the Passover meal continued. At that Passover meal, they may have had very special plates, just like this one. This is a Seder plate, and upon, uh, on that plate, there would have been a, a number of different items. Some of those would have been a, 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 a roasted egg to, to remind them of, of the new life that they have uh, with the slain of that Passover lamb. They would have had a, a little bit of meat from that Passover lamb. Again, it, it, would, have been, it would have been roasted. Uh, then there would have been a, a, maybe some parsley and uh, possibly dipped in some, in some salt water to remind them of the tears of their forefathers. They would have had some sort of, uh, of bitter herbs to remind them of the bitterness uh, that they, their forefathers had experienced. They would have a little bit of, uh, of dipping sauce to remind them of the, of the bricks that they were called uh, to make without, without straw. And there would, have been a, there would have been a liturgy along with that. Uh, they would have been, again, a, a, a liturgy that all of them had been doing their entire lives. They knew it like the back of their hand. Two very important parts of the evening. One would have been that at some point in the evening, the master of ceremonies would have asked the youngest member of, uh, of, of that community to, to begin to recall and, and recount the great acts of God. And then the master would have, would have asked someone to go and, go and open the doors 
open the doors so that if Elijah comes again, then Elijah will find a, 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 an open house in which to enter because they believed that Elijah would someday come and Elijah would someday come proclaiming the good news that a Messiah was coming and that a, and that a Messiah had come. And they would always, even today, they would set out a, a special cup, a special cup set for Elijah so that if this year Elijah came and proclaimed the year of the Lord to proclaim that the Messiah had come, Elijah would have a cup waiting for him. And so, indeed, Jesus took bread and he, and he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take. He, begin, he began to change the liturgy just a bit. Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this as, as, as you... Remember this as you, as you do it. And then he would have taken the cup. Many have suggested that Jesus took the Elijah cup, the Elijah cup that no one ever touched, where it was a sacred cup. A sacred cup, meaning that Elijah would one day come proclaiming that the Messiah had come. Jesus took that cup. And he gave it to his disciples and said, this is the blood of a new covenant. Indeed, you know what the, the blood of that Passover lamb is all about, but this is the blood of a new covenant offered for you for the forgiveness of sins. They continued through that evening as Jesus instituted this new covenant. And then they immediately made their way across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem up onto the Mount of Olives to a garden called Gethsemane. And there Jesus began to be in prayer. He called his disciples to come and pray with him. In fact, he called with him Peter, James, and John to come alongside him to stay and watch for the hour had come. Pray. Pray with me at the moment of my greatest need. He went on by himself and began to pray, Lord, let this cup pass from me. You see, he knew what was coming upon him. He knew that the next day, probably just in a couple of hours after midnight, he would be arrested. He would obviously be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. He would be arrested. He would be put on trial before the Sanhedrin and then, and then by Pontius Pilate. He would be beaten and he would be mocked and he would even be crucified unto death. He came back to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Pray with me. At the moment of my greatest need, pray for me. Three times. He asked them to pray, and three times they slumbered. There are times in my life that I just don't get it. There are times in my life that I, too, want a place of honor. I, too, want to be on the right or on the left, place of honor. I, too, want to be a person of high esteem. I, too, want to be the one who, 
who is, who is the one that others look to. But Christ has come and offered to wash my feet and to wash your feet. And he has called us to be people of prayer, to love him, to serve others. A new commandment he has for us. Love one another. We can't do it on our own. It only happens when there is prayer. When there's a relationship with Jesus, our Lord. When there's a change from the inside out. God has called us to be people of love. To love and to serve others. To put ourselves last put others first. That's the kind of service that God wants from you and from me. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we not be found lacking in humility and in service. Lord Jesus, at times we feel that we are so proud that we could never allow you we could never allow you to serve us and to change us. Surely we must, we must be good. Surely we must work hard in order to be loved and accepted by you. But you've told us that all we must be is willing. Willing to be loved. Willing to be served by you. Lord Jesus, come and wash our feet. Right now, we picture ourselves. With you kneeling before us. Taking our dirty lives. And washing them away. Caressing our hardened hearts. And turning them into flesh. Taking our lives that have seemed to have been falling apart. Putting them back together piece by piece by piece with your love. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and change us. Come and remold us. Come and remake us into your image. Empower us, O oh God, indeed, to love one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.